0: And uh, if you are uh, one of those that take notes, amen. We're going to talk about the extraordinary life. Do you know God has called you to live an extraordinary life? Yeah, yeah man. There's nothing normal about what God has for us. I mean, nothing normal. There was a, there was a quote that I read, and I think um, it said that Whoopi Goldberg said it. She said, normal is only a cycle on a washing machine. That is it. That's it. When it comes to the word normal, only a cycle on a washing machine. Amen? There was nothing normal that God intended for our life. Just the way that he set up creation... And the way he created man and the, um, the charge that he gave to man. And then then after the fall of man, what he set up to bring us back, to redeem us back into himself. There's nothing normal about that. Amen. There's nothing normal about that. Even if Adam would have never... Um, you know, uh, fallen, and him and Eve, if they never were seduced by, uh, by the devil, even if that would have not have happened, normal still could not have been the word to use to describe the life that God has for us. Amen. Amen? amen? Not the word normal. Amen? So when you think about your life and you say, oh, man, there's just no normality in my life. There's no, there never was to be any normality in your life. Whatever normal is, Amen? God always meant for us to live an extraordinary and an exceptional life. Amen? Amen. I want to show you something in Ephesians 3. We're going to start here, and this is going to be like our foundation scripture. But um, tonight I'm not going to, um, I don't plan on going too deep into this scripture. Maybe in our next session uh, we will. But tonight I just want to lay the foundation with the scripture so you can see just how much, and I know you know from the teachings how much God loves us, and you know um, how there nothing about again this life was meant to be normal, but it was to be an extraordinary life. And um, Ephesians three and seven, you know Paul writes this about himself, but I believe it holds true for every minister of the gospel, and that's not just the ministers of the gospel who are ordained, or licensed ministers, but all of us as servants of God. I believe that we'll come to a place that we understand that there is a certain charge that's been given unto us as being um, his followers, as being his disciples, just again as being his ministers of the gospel. Look at what he says in verse 7. Oh, I want to read it out of the Message Bible, okay? He says, this is my life work, helping people understand and respond to this message. Do, this, do you see this? He said, this is my life work, helping people understand and respond to this message. I, it, it, came, it came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise. God handling all the details. Now look at verse 8. He says, when it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. Isn't that something? God saw it that I was equipped it. But you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural ability. Now, if you're highlighting or if you're writing in your Bible and you don't have a a message Bible, you know, um, just put natural ability. Amen. He says, but you can be sure it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. And so here I am preaching and writing about things that are way above my head, (laughs) the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. Now, verse 9, he said, my task is to bring out in the open and make plain what God, who created all of this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. God is still working behind the scenes. Do you know that? He's still working behind the scenes. Um, Through Christians like ourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God, is becoming known and talked about, look at this, even among the angels. This extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. And, you know, we, um, we kind of put uh, angels uh, in a category that's like, oh, my goodness, they're amazing, you know, such amazing creatures. But the angels see us as being amazing creatures. And then we get to walk out a plan of God that's so amazing that it causes them to sit and talk about it among themselves about the opportunity, opportunity and extraordinary plan that God has for us. So many times, you know, we can refer back to uh, uh, the psalmist he wrote in uh, Psalms 8. When he talked about how, or six, he talked about how that the angels sit among themselves and they marvel and they wonder and, and, they, and they, they inquire of God and they ask him, what is, this, what is this creature that you call man, that you are so mindful of him? Now you don't say that somebody is so mindful of a certain thing or a certain person unless it looks like to you this this this, this person is always sitting just thinking about this person. I mean, i you know, just always thinking about this thing. He said, what is this, this, this creature that you call man that you are so mindful of him? Can you imagine God sitting in the heavens, and each time he looks down at you and he sees something, he, he, the angel's seeing him getting busy in his mind and in his thoughts about what he wants to do for Katie. He said, what is going on? And he saw all of Katie goofs up, goof ups. the angels watching, and all all women watching. He said, what is it about her? What, what is it about Elise? What is it about John? What is it about them that you are so mindful of them and you're always maneuvering and you're always moving to make sure that everything works out for them? Even when they throw a, what they call it, a, um, a, a wrench, even when they throw a wrench in it, you're still trying to do something else to bring them back. To the, to the original plan. What is it about them that makes you so mindful of them? And then what is it about this extraordinary plan that you have for them that you're willing to move all kinds of you know all kinds of uh, things in the earth to make sure that they have the, the means that that will make life good for them. What is it about them? Can you imagine when uh, in the garden, when the serpent was talking to Eve and the serpent was telling Eve all about, you know, well, God, you know, he he, he he's not surely, you're not going to surely die. And, you know, and he told you that because, you know, um, he didn't want you to be like him and all of this other stuff. And then she ate and then she gave to her husband, as the scripture said, and and he ate. Can you imagine that anybody else or in any other circumstance would be like, OK, this is it. It's over. That's it. You know, just, it, it's, it's this, this plan that I had is not going to work. No, God had already, had already established another plan that had they fallen, he had already made provisions. Jesus was not an aftermath thought. He, he didn't say, oh, after he found out that Adam and Eve ate, he didn't say, oh, okay, now what am I going to do? It was already understood. The plan of salvation was already put into, it was, it was already to be put into motion. Amen. So this extraordinary plan that God has for us as believers is something that we are supposed to walk out in this lifetime. Amen. Amen. Now, verse 11 says all this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God. And then look at this executed in Christ Jesus. It was it was already planned all along by God and then executed in Christ Jesus. So there's, there's never to be something about our lives that's supposed to be um, so uh, I don't know or, you know, um, that we, that, that God is surprised or, you know, that, that, that God doesn't have a, a plan or a way to get us to fulfill his extraordinary plan for our lives. He always has a way and he always has a plan. Amen? Now, I want to show you something. Okay. So we we, that that's our foundation right there. Um, But in John 16 and 33, I was reading this scripture and I found myself the closer we were coming to resurrection, um, that our resurrection celebration, you know, you want to not take for granted you know, sometimes on different what we call holidays and different things come up. We become so familiar with them until they just become another day. And we just do another something in them. But we don't give to them the... Um, the credence that's due to them, I think, and even with Resurrection Day, sometimes you can just get so familiar with things that you just find yourself, it's just like, oh, okay, oh, yes, all right. It's another day, and, you know, that's what, you know, it's what it is. I don't think we should ever become that way about Resurrection Day because it, it has such, such great meaning for all of us as believers, amen? If we become just passive about Resurrection Day, then we can become passive about our salvation, And we're never to become passive about our salvation. Amen? Now, in uh, St. John 16 and 33, this is what the scripture says. These things, oh, I'm going to read first from the King James Version, then from the Amplified Bible. Jesus, he's talking to his disciples, and he says, These things I have written unto you, or I have spoken, I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you should have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, this is what the Amplified Version says. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But look at this. (laughs) Be of good cheer. (laughs) I was thinking about this, and I said, okay, here we go in the world. You're going to have tribulation, trials. I mean, the Amplified Bible wasn't enough that... You know, King James just said you're going to have tribulation. The Amplified Bible just made sure that it does what it do. Break it down. You're going to have tribulations and trials and distress and frustration. But then God says, or uh, then Jesus says, but be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of the power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Now, when the scripture talks about the world, don't don't. sometimes, you know, I, I know when we first got saved and every time you talked about the world, some kind of way we just got clothes, hairstyles, you know, just things like that. We got that all confused with the world. When the scripture talks about the world, it means the world system, the world's way of doing and believing. He he said, you know, in in the world, you you know, you're going to have some trials and some tests and some distress and frustration because the world system, the the way the system of the world is going, you're going to find yourself not, especially being a believer, you're going to find yourself being in opposition to what the normal system of things would be in the world now, in the world. You're living in a place where there's a system that has been set up that for it is, you know, that word, normality. But God didn't call us to live by that system or in its normality. So, because of that, that's where our tribulation will come. That's where our trials will come. That's where our distress will come and our frustration. Because here you are, you understand, or you're living by another system that tells you that this is right, and this is good, and, and that this is, this is the blessed way. But you're inside of a system, and, 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 and sometimes dealing with people that's inside of that same system, um, and, and, and it's like you all are butting heads. It's like things are, you know, you're going left, and they're going right, but we're supposed to work together. So how, with that kind of thinking, how we're gonna to work together? God said you gotta do it. You gotta do it because see you're in this world. But even in the midst of the tribulations, the trial, the tests, and the frustration, he said, be of good cheer. Take courage and be confident, certain, and undaunting. The scriptures, when we look at chapters 14 and 16, Jesus instructions about these things. He said, I have told you these things, the things he told them in chapter 14 and 16. He said, these things that that I've told to you, he said, uh, ahead of time, I told you those things. So my intention was that you would be sustained in the midst of them. When you go back to verse 14 and I mean, chapter 14 and chapter 15, he started telling them about all the things that they would start to see that would, that would happen in the world. Yeah. Um, David has this way that when something is said to him and it's like unbelievable that some, somebody's doing. I, when I was reading the chapter, it was like I could hear him saying, Hombra? That's all he just said. Hombra? Bruh? Come on. Just say things like that. Can you imagine being the disciples and Jesus, they've seen all the miraculous that have happened. They've seen him take authority over certain things and have power. And then he comes in chapter 14, 15, and 16, and then start telling them about all the things that's going to happen to them in the world. And then in in verse 33, he tells them, but I told you these things so that in me you may have (laughs) perfect peace and confidence, meaning that you've seen me. Have the power. You've seen me be able to conquer and win over these things. But I just want you to know that when I leave you, there's some things that's going to start to happen. Don't you even worry about it. It's all a part of what will happen. Don't you think that it's better, that if you're going to go into a certain city or you're going to go into a certain country, wouldn't it be good that, let's say you're going on a mission trip wouldn't it be good that along with telling you that you're going to be able to be a blessing to a lot of children and that you're going to be able to reach a lot of people and the people are going to love hearing about Jesus Christ. And so you're all hyped about, you know, how you're going to be a blessing to people. Don't you think that it would be just be really good if they told you about the giant mosquitoes and, the, yeah. you know, and, the, you know and, and, and possibly the... um, um. The delectables that you may be offered, you know, like the, like the barbecue roaches, you know, stuff like that. Don't you think it would, it would, it would help if you just kind of prepared me for that, right? Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to do nothing with y'all, with y'all missions trip. Very good. I'm just saying that it would be great to kind of have a heads up about that, right? Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, just give me a heads up about Tell me the good stuff, but tell me all the other stuff that I, you know, that I, that I may possibly, you know, have to look out for. Like, you know, somebody standing over me in the middle of the night. You know, <laughs> the witch doctor with, <laughs> with the scary headset. You know, just kind of tell it all to me. You know, so that when I get there and I see him, I'll know. Uh huh. I know what I'm supposed to do right now. I need to start praying in the spirit, or I need to act like I am not afraid. Right? Because it's kind of like what they say about, you know, the big dogs. If they sense fear in you, then they will want to eat you. But if they don't sense any fear, that's what they always told me, David, don't run. Do you know how hard that is? (laughs) He looks hungry. Don't run. You know, I, I kind of think that I'm going to have a better chance if I run. And you know what they say if you have a friend with you, you don't have to outrun the dog, just outrun them. Trip them, let the dog get them, and you keep going. Right? Remember that on your mission trip. All right? <laughs> no. Jesus told him, look, when all of these things happen to you, I don't want you to be shaken by these things. He said, in the midst of all of these things, I want you to know that I've given you peace. You have peace in me. I was telling my class Sunday that it just so happened that last Thursday I was supposed to start teaching this session. And on Sunday morning when I was getting ready, um, you know, for, for the service, the TV was on. And this minister came on, and he was talking, you know, and uh, he was talking about, you know, how J- Japan had experienced another earthquake, you know, and, you know, how um, everything was all shaken and messed up there, and how that, you know, there's a lot of things that's going on in, in the world and, you know, uh, in the earth, and, and I'm telling you, this is what he said. He said... Um, With all of the things that's going on, well, he said he was supposed to be teaching something else, but he felt like he needed to tell them about this that I'm about to tell you all. He said, um, um, I just want you all to know with all of the earthquakes and everything that's going going on and all the bad things that's going on in the earth, he said, um, I'm sorry, I can't stand up and tell you something good is going to happen to you today. And he said, and I can't tell you Just live your best life now. He said, because if you're living your best life now, you're going to hell. I said, hold on. I came out the bathroom and said, who is this that's talking like this? And I told my class, I said, I felt really bad for the people. (laughs) I felt really bad for them because I'm going to tell you, if I would have gone to that service and listened to him, I would have felt like, you know what, Jesus, either take me now or I just need to kill myself. Because there is no hope in this one, right? (laughs) Now, we all know who God gave the word and gave the message to about something good is going to happen to you today. Amen. Brother Oral Roberts, right? Man, the spirit of God gave that to him. The world, the church needed to know that God wanted them, had planned for them something good. Because they, they were already experiencing the bad. They already knew the bad, but it is so good to know that the almighty God has a plan for something good. Isn't it amazing? There's always somebody that don't want us to believe in the good, right? So he said, I can't tell you something good going to happen to you today. And then he said, I can't tell you live your best life now. We know who, who the spirit of God gave that word to to pastor Joe live your best life now. Now, come on, we all understand that he's not talking about that. Hey, y'all, this is the best y'all going to live because after this is going to be bad. That's not what that's not the message that God gave to him. He meant that while you're in the earth, live the best life. We know that this is not the best that we're going to ever live. But while we're here in the earth, come on, live the best life that you can live right here. Amen. Amen. And it's not to say the best is always going to be offered to you, but you make the choice that I'm going to live the best that I can live right here with the circumstances and the situations that's been put before me. I make that choice. Nobody else makes that choice for me. I make that choice. I make that choice by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of me that helps and move me through all of the, all of the turmoil, all of the trials, all of the situations. It helps me to make the best choice. Amen? Amen? Amen. So his whole... <sighs> was like, come on, sir, maybe you're feeling kind of down. Maybe he was just having a moment that, you know, he felt hopeless. And, you know, and it's like uh, I was telling him tsunamis, earthquakes, all of this other stuff, that's not new. That is not new, you all. The earth has been feeling these kind of convulsions and pains ever since sin entered the earth. It's not new. I'm going to tell you what's new. The Internet. CNN—that <laughs> we can just watch it live. That's 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 what's new. If you listen real good, they all they'll tell you, oh, you know, um, uh, Japan or some other country experienced the tsunami or experienced this or that in seventeen whatever whatever. It's not new. Now I'm going to tell you what is what is new and what's true is they, they, are anticip- they are intensifying themselves. They're becoming more frequent. But again, that's all a part of what will happen the closer Jesus' return comes. And we just get a front row seat to ha- see it all happening because of we're just the information age. Amen. We get to hear about the folks that's been killed over on the other side and all this other side. We get to hear about everything. Whereas, again, murder and all that other stuff, that's not new. Amen? I mean, the first murder happened between Adam and Eve's sons. Yes? So that's, 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 that's nothing new. The thing about it is it goes back to what Jesus is telling them. In the world, you're going to experience some things There's some things that's going to happen. He said, let me tell you about what you should do, where you should stand. Let me tell you where your hope should be. Amen. It should be in me. He said, I came. I got some peace that I'm going to leave with you. That even in the midst of all of these things going on, because you can't change it. This is what it is. You can't change it. But I'm going to tell you, I'm taking away its power to harm you. I'm taking away its power to harm you. You have that right as the believer that you can stand firm knowing that you're protected, that you have hope. Amen. It's not an easy thing. It's not. It's not a good thing to be able to watch people's lives devastated. That is not, there's nothing easy about that. There's, there's, there's nothing good about that. If you know what it does to your heart, can you imagine what it does to God's heart? Because this is not the reason why he created the earth. He didn't create the earth so that the water could one day decide that it's, that it's not going to stay bound to the bowl that was created for it. It's now, because of the, the rumbling that's going on under the earth, it's, it'll be pushed up and out. It never was meant for that water to be on the land. The only reason why the water pushed up on the land was because of the rumbling that happened under the earth. The water understood in that day, when we read in Genesis, it was understood, you stay here. When Jesus divided the waters... And said, okay, this is the rivers, this is the lakes, these are the seas. Every part of it knew this is where we stay. Yeah. This, is our, this is our place. This is what we, we're here to sit here. And whatever man want to do with us, we just yield to it. We just submit to it. But then because of sin and because of the system of this world, again, we, we act like a, there, there's not an adversary because when these things happen, it's where was God? God was the same place he was the day Adam sinned. Amen. Amen. That same place. He, he's in that same place. You know, I remember one time I was reading something and this lady, her, her son, you know, was killed or he died. And she became so grieved um, about the whole thing that she went before God and she asked God, Lord, why did this happen to my child? What what, 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 what happened? Where were you, God? Where were you when my child was, you know, was dying or when my child was killed? Where were you? And I heard that the woman said that she heard God say, I was the same place when your son was murdered or your son died. I was in that same place when my son was murdered and my son died. I was in that same place. Hmm? Same place. Same place. God had a son that was that was put to death. Yeah, yeah. He was in that same place, but it had to happen. Why did it have to happen? So that I could stand here, so that you could sit there, so that we can have the life that the scriptures talking about, but all he could do was sit there and let it be because of you and because of me. Amen? So don't ever think that God doesn't understand. The Scripture in Hebrews talks about how that Jesus... Um, You know, he's our great high priest and he's been touched with our infirmities, meaning he understands that every feeling that we will ever feel, Jesus have already felt it and he won over it. Amen. Now, he told them these things that I, I, I wrote to you with the intention to sustain you and to give and to give us peace and give us peace in him. Now, I want you to understand that believers have a dual existence. We are in Christ and we're in this world. And understand when I say this world, it's the system and everything that makes up what the world consists of. Now in union with Christ, his, his disciples, and all, also us, we have peace. But the world exerts a hostile pressure toward us as being believers. The world system, the enemy of God and his people, it opposes Jesus' message and his ministry. But Jesus said that the disciples were and we are to take heart, which means be courageous. This is another one of those moments where when God created man and he told him, take dominion. He told him to subdue, replenish, take dominion over the earth. Well, when Jesus told the disciples, he said, take heart. Then just like he told Adam to subdue and replenish and to take dominion, he's telling us, be courageous. Even in the midst of the world system giving us heck, trying to give us a problem and and hostile pressure coming, he said, look, this is what you do. You be courageous. You take heart. The the New Testament word for that means, um, when he says take heart, it means to take heart, be courageous, cheer up. And you'll only find that word, that word, only spoken by Jesus Christ. He's the only one that ever encouraged the the believers to take heart with that word, to be courageous and to cheer up. Now, I believe that the Holy Spirit has come to give us this word again, that Jesus spoke to his disciples to sustain us. Just as he wanted to sustain them during that time, he wants us to be sustained. Amen? Can you agree with that? He wants to sustain us and grant us the knowledge that will cause us to acknowledge the peace that has already been given to us. The Amplified Bible again reads, be of good courage, take courage, be confident, certain, and undaunting. The winning, the winning, our winning is in the comprehending. The winning is in the comprehending. The winning is in the comprehending. When Jesus spoke these words to them, he said, be of good cheer, take courage, be, be confident, certain, undaunting. Were these words used in a grammatically, um, grammatical form as an attitude? Now, I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit started talking to me about this, I was like, hold on, what? He said, I want you to look at this word when, he, when, when Jesus said, take heart. When he says, "Take courage, be confident, certain, and undaunting," in, a, in the grammatic form, was it being used as an attitude? Was he telling them about an attitude? He, here's what I mean: when you look at the word, when you look at the word "attitude," when you define it, when used as a noun, it's a manner, a disposition, a feeling, a position and then the, the dictionaries say et cetera. Which regards to a person or a thing, with regard to a person or a thing? Let me say that again. If we look at the word attitude in a noun form, it's defined as being a manner, a disposition, a feeling, a position, et cetera, with regards to a person or thing. The tendency or orientation Especially of the mind, such as, if I were to give you an example, when you use um, the word uh, as an attitude with the definition, it's like somebody say, oh, they have a negative attitude. Yes? The word attitude is used in a manner, when, it, when you're talking about a noun, it's a manner a disposition, a feeling, a position with regards to the person or the thing, the tendency or orientation. Do you all understand that? And it's one especially of the mind, such as a negative attitude or it's a group attitude. It's like a position or a posture of the body appropriate to or expressive of an action or an emotion. Y'all still with me? Again, for example, they have a threatening attitude or a relaxed attitude. Now, another way that we want to see, is it used grammatically as an attitude or is it used grammatically as an attribute? When Jesus said, be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, and undaunting. If we have another option here, we look at it. It was, he was speaking in terms of an attribute. Attribute, when we look at the definition of that, again in a noun form, it is something attributed as belonging to a person. So, y'all ought to be up there with me now. Attribute, something attributed as belonging to a person, a thing, or a group. Y'all ready? Etc. It's a quality or a character or a characteristic. It's its property. Yeah. 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 Oh Lord. For example, sensitivity is one of His attributes. Something used as a symbol of a particular person or an office or a status, such as a scepter is one of the attributes of a king. Hmm. Yeah. It is grammatically placed and arranged in a sentence, subordinate, being secondary to or dependent on another, and serves to limit. This is what it can, this is what can be expected. When they say it serves to limit, it means this is what can be expected. It's identified, particularized, described, or supplement the meaning of the form which with it is in construction. The example is in the red house, if we were to say in the red house, red is an attribute of the house. Yes. Jesus told them, be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted. Take courage. Take heart. Be courageous. Then he says, cheer up. Darby. In uh, John 16 and 33, this is how he says it. Darby Translation, it says, These things have I spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. Glory? We know what that word peace means, right? Shalom. Look, it doesn't matter what the world system does. It doesn't matter what's going on. He said, you just have peace. You just have shalom. You just understand that there is nothing missing, nothing broken. Not in your world. Amen? Amen. Amen. These things I've spoken unto you that ye might have peace. Look, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good courage. I have overcome the world. Good cheer, courage, confidence, certainty, and undaunting, fearless, unworried, undisturbed, unconcerned. I want you to know that these are attributes of the believer. That is not Jesus was not telling them, have an attitude. Right. Of good courage, he wasn't telling them you all have an attitude of being cheered up. He said, "No, no, no. Good courage, good cheer, undaunting, fearless. That's the attribute of a believer. Amen. In the midst of everything that can happen to you, and I know." Some things might be going on in your world and it's like it's easy for you to stand up there and preach it. You just don't know. Just because a person is standing or preaching something to you and they, they sound confident in what they're saying, it does not mean that they've not been touched anything. It gives me more of an assurance because I made it through it. Don't let it take you out. Don't do it. Let me tell you something. Inside of the plan of God, I was reading something today. Inside of the plan of God, my life has already been lived. It's already been lived. All he did was set me here and back me up into it. Shut up. Did you understand what I just said? My life has already been lived. It's been written from beginning to end. All he did was back me up. And put me in it. And then suddenly I walk it out. Amen? So the plan has already been set. Now whoever, whether it be me or somebody else that comes to disturb it, I have to fight like Jesus said. And I have to be of good courage, even in the midst of what looks like trying to take me on another path. I have to be of good cheer and good courage and say, Oh no, I'm going to have the life. That God meant for me. Oh, no, I'm not going to let anything change this. Hmm? As believers, the devil has some kind of way, you know, after you kind of grow up a little bit, you kind of just think that, oh, well, you know, if I beat that cigarette and I beat that alcohol and I beat this and I, you know, I beat that, all those little kind of fleshly things, right? Right. That, that go on with us, just think, if I just beat that, that, that you know, I, I got the devil on the run and I'm straight. Let me tell you, there's so many other things that come to detour us from our path in God. Strife can set you more off your path than any man or woman. Strife. Do you know how, how much strife can muzzle the plan of God for your life? Fear. The enemy used these things, strife, fear, envy. He used little little things to just set us all off and to distract us and to get us away from the good life, the extraordinary life that God has for us. Amen? Don't talk about feeling lazy. Don't talk about feeling like, well, I just don't feel like going through all of that. I mean, you know, I got this kind of in me that, 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 my, that I'm supposed to have more. Somebody, somebody, I, I, which I read the phrase, too. I thought it was very good. Um, and I think uh, John Maxwell had it on his site also. He said, uh, but I don't think he was, he coined the, 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 the phrase. I think somebody else did. It said that God provides worms for every bird. But he does not put, them, put it in the nest. It'll come to you. He provides worms. That's what they eat. Worms. For every bird. But he does not drop them in the nest. That means you better go out. You better get out that nest and go get it or you're going to starve. Saturday. I don't know where Chris and I came from. We came from somewhere. And we were just kind of sitting in a car looking around. And they have all these birds in the backyard. And Chris says, "Ma, those birds are always, it's like 13, 14 of them. They're just walking around in the yard just doing their head like this. They just." And I said, Chris, they're eating. And she said, what? I said, girl, they know that when the shade comes over on this side of the house and it's shaded, the ground they know that those earthworms sometimes start to come up closer to the dirt. So they come down in the yard, and they stick their beaks down just enough to get those worms. My girl said, that's a They're eating. They're feeding. But you know what? They had, to come from, they had to come from wherever they were to make sure that they got what was provided for them. And, oh, we whose brains are bigger than. (laughs) And they said, we're not even working by brains. We're working by instinct. This is something that's in us. Yeah, that's their attribute. That is the attribute of a bird. Yeah. That is the attribute of the bird. It's innate. It's inside of them. They know. I get down off the house go down on the grass, and provisions are made for me there. Hmm? Yes, it's made for me there. They're walking it out. That's the plan. That's the plan for their lives. So it is with us as the believers. Amen? There is an attribute that is to be a part of the believer. It's not to be an attitude. That's a disposition or feeling in and of themselves because of the surrounding. It's not to be an attitude. Remember the definition of an attitude is the disposition or the feeling, and remember that it's governed by its surroundings or state of mind. So Jesus wasn't telling them, "Look, you all take courage and be of good cheer." Now this is all. This it, 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 it's a state. It's a state of mind. Now y'all 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 just be that, and, and it's gonna be and it's to be governed by your surroundings you you take courage and you be of good cheer and you take heart and let it let it let it all be governed by your surroundings no we need more than that we don't we don't we don't need to understand that this is something about an attitude he said no this is about an attribute this is about something that not it doesn't govern you you it it's a part of you you don't let your surroundings govern your feelings your position amen Jesus was telling them that they were to be of good cheer, of good courage, be confident, certain, undaunting. Now, listen, as a direct response to what he has said and done for them, not by what's happening not by what the people doing you on the job, not by what your husband, not by your wife, not by what your children, not by, not by any of that. He, he said, I'm not telling you do this based on what somebody doing to you. He says, I want you to be undaunted as a direct response to what I have said and what I have done for you and what I have done and doing through you. In each place that Jesus told them, to be of good courage and to take courage or to be of good cheer and to take courage, there was a manifestation of the power of God. Shut up. (laughs) I just need to say that again. Each place that Jesus told them to be of good courage, of good cheer, there was a manifestation of the power of God. Just to give you an example, in Matthew 9 and 2, the Amplified Bible, very good. The scripture says, and behold, they brought to him a man paralyzed and prostrated by illness, lying on a sleeping pad. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, now look at this. What? He said to the paralyzed man, take courage. Take courage, son. Your sins are forgiven and the penalty remitted. Now, he wasn't telling him now. Now, it didn't say he told him take courage when his legs got strong. Right. No, no. Right. He didn't tell him take courage after he had ran around. He told him the scripture says while the man was still paralyzed. He said to the paralyzed man, take courage. Son, your sins are forgiven. And the penalty remitted. Supernatural thing happened to him when he took Courage. When he didn't allow it to just be an attitude, when he let it be an attribute that was governed by what Jesus said in response, in direct response to what Jesus said. And then the supernatural was there for him. In Matthews 9 and 22, the Amplified Bible says, Jesus turned around and seeing her, he said, take courage, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And at once the, woman's, the woman was restored to health. Shucks. Mark 6, at 6 uh, verse 50. Mark 6, verse 50, the scripture says, And they all saw him and were agitated, troubled, and filled with fear and dread. But immediately, you know, this is this little incident where Jesus was kind of took out on the water. But immediately he talked with them and said, Take courage. I am. Stop being alarmed and afraid. Whew. Mark 10 and 49. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, telling him, take courage. Now he tells these people, take courage in the midst of the worst situations that they could ever be in. There's something powerful about this taking courage. It's not just about an attitude or a disposition or a feeling, man, there's power in our taking courage. Jesus stopped and called him and And they called the blind man, telling him, take courage, get up, he's calling you. Then in Romans 8 and 37, it says, yet amid all these things, still the Amplified Bible, we are more than conquerors, and we gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. Do you know if it were to say anything and Paul were to get in there with Jesus, he would say, come on, take courage. Amen? Take courage. In the midst of our seeing all of these things that's happening in the earth and, you know, people's lives are being changed and we see devastation God doesn't want us to just become so overwhelmed. The scripture talked about in the last days that, you know, things will become so bad that people, men's hearts would fail them. You know, they, they'll, they'll become so overwhelmed and so fearful about it. that Even some people, they'll just take their lives because there's no hope. Oh, I pray they don't hear that preacher, you know, uh, <laughs> who said that. Oh, my goodness. Now, can you imagine if he's telling that to the church, an uh, 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 unsaved person ought to feel like, well, no, I just need to go run in front of a car right now. Amen. No, in the midst of it, he's given us a power that's greater than fear. He's given us a power that's greater than being disturbed. He's given us a power that's greater than, you know, just saying, oh, Lord. He's given us the power to pray. When you have devastation as vast as many times that it is, come on, as it is, you know, most of the people, um, the news people that I've heard here, whenever they talk about the different devastation in certain places and people being um, displaced and all of that, they always say, we know what that is. We do. We do know what that is. Now, we didn't have the earth open up and do things like that, but it sure shook our world enough. Amen. And in the midst of it, even though you may not know it, you had to take courage. I know I had to take courage. We had to take courage. Amen. In the midst of, and I'm talking about Katrina. That was a moment that either you took courage or you just felt like, what? What? I mean, what? What type of stuff? Amen. Can I tell you all this? We had made reservations at a hotel, was in the hotel room. Katrina hit that um, Saturday night, Saturday morning, Sunday morning. Okay. Well, you know, the day before, (laughs) the day before it hit, we had a, we had a, had reservations had the, had the hotel room all of that right on the day the day when it was to hit going over into that morning this lady calls the room and tells us tell us we have to we have to go we have to leave ma'am what are you talking about and you know first thing you think is I, what go where we just did find that hotel right? Danielle went hunting looking for the hotel and it was on the backside of or somewhere and, uh, and, and you know we got the reservations and then she's telling us and it's, you know, it's the weather's starting to turn in Clement and we were in Baton Rouge and, um, and she said you, 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 you all have to go and I'm thinking go where miss? And do you know she had the nerve to say we have an LSU game that's coming up. Uh-huh. Drake? <laughs> anyway So you all have to go. I'm thinking, ma'am, do you really think? You know what I'm saying? Because lights and everything went out in Baton Rouge too. That woman put us out, David. She put us out. Yeah, put us out. So we got in the car. (sighs) Changed my life. (laughs) We got in the car. And I'm telling you, at a time like that, you better know Jesus. You better know something, right? Because we didn't have anywhere to go. Pastor Adam got this brilliant idea. He called Pastor Bingham. Pastor Bingham, you know, we started following Pastor Bingham around, right, David, in the, in the car. Oh, my goodness. All of the good hotels were taken, and then he started pulling us up to the ones, Hi, Becky? That the curtains were hanging. What, what did you call them? The quick stop hotels? Motels, oh Lord, in my stomach, y'all. Us, I, I promise this is what I said No, Jesus, it hasn't come to us. All I could just think were there were bugs and all this other stuff that was, and and, and 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 you know, they had the nerve. Adam got out the car, I already see the front desk. Him and Pastor Bingham jump out, and, you know, they're they, you know, they going trying to check us in. All the rest of us, me, the girls, we in the car praying, don't let them have nothing. Don't let them have nothing. <laughs> Adam and the, the person gave them a key and told them, go look at one of the rooms. <sighs> Adam went in the room. Pastor Bingham came running. Oh, he went to the door. I was like, Father... No, this can't be. This, this is just not good. Whatever those people are experiencing in those countries, we know that it can be bad, really bad. But it is the best thing that you can give to them is your prayers and your support. Do you understand what I'm saying? Had it not been for him, there for us, after he brought us to the Roach Motels and the Thanksgiving? Some kind of way, we would say some kind of way. He up and said, I know a guy that has a house that's empty. He called the fella, said, you know, my pastor and his family, they need somewhere. The man said, meet me over at the house. They can stay there as long as they need to. Kendrick, we got in the house just right before the, the storm and the weather started messing up. I was like, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let me tell you, these are all the things that even at the moment, when it just looks like, I remember Pastor Adam used to talk to us about that. When it looks like you're about to go over the, I mean you on the end, you on the edge. Roach Motel, I felt like I was on the edge. And then you're thinking, but I got money. Y'all, I'm like, I have, I'm not asking nobody for me. I have money. We'll all stay in one room. I have Money didn't mean nothing. It meant nothing. That's some weird, wild stuff. <laughs> and it felt like we were on the edge. It's like, what? No. Mm-mm. This is not an experience that I'm supposed to have, meaning sleeping in the road. This is not the experience. And right when it seems like you're on the edge and tipping over, There he is with his provisions. Amen? There he is. There he is with his provisions. And he just tells us, take courage. Be of good cheer. Amen? Because right in the midst of it, look like you're about to go over. He's going to make his provisions are there. It takes the sensitivity. See, fear, fear causes us to not be able to be sensitive and conscious of what's going on, the real things that's going on for us and we will miss out on them. Amen? Jesus told them don't do that. In the midst of everything that's going to happen to you in this life, don't miss out on what I'm doing. Because see, I've already given you the word. I've already told you. I have. I have taken its power and ability to harm you. You need to always think that you know what? It may look like it's about to be bad, but it can't be bad. It can't be bad. Something good, something good is going to happen to me in this. Amen. God's God's going to, this thing looks a mess. But you know what? God's got a plan. He will not, I don't care what nobody doing. He's not going to deviate from his plan. God had a plan for David. It was already understood. David was a man after God's own heart. He messed up. He, was, he wasn't in his anointed place, and he was somewhere else, and he saw Bathsheba messed up, could have messed up his world. But God never changed his mind about him, never changed his mind about his plan. All we have to do is take courage in the midst of everything. Don't let the world system, don't let this situation, don't let circumstances deviate us from the extraordinary life. That God has already planned for us. You got to know he has an extraordinary life planned for you. There's nothing normal about it. Nobody don't need to tell you nothing about normality. I understand God has a plan. And I'm going to stay inside of that plan. Amen. Everything may not go the way that I want. And everything may not fall in its proper place at certain times. But before it's over with. Before it's over with, oh, it's got to come in line. All I have to do, take courage. I got to take courage. It's not about my feelings. It's not about it. It's about the attribute that's a part of the believer. Amen? And I take that courage because of what he's spoken to me and what he's done inside of me. Not because of my surroundings. Not because of who's working with me and who's not. It's because it's the attribute of the believer. Amen? Amen? Because of the peace that he's already spoken over my life. And his peace is full and it's complete. Now, you can go ahead on and do whatever you want to do. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) You can do whatever you want to do. You can live according to this world system, but I've made up my mind. I don't like it. I don't like it. I love the way God zooms in and do what he does. Amen. I love it. I love what he does. I love how he does it. Amen. Because what it does in the midst of it, him changing a thing. All it does is make me throw up my hands and say, I can count on you. Father, I can count on you in the midst of it all. I can count on you. And guess what? I'm going to see another day like this. I will. It's not over. I'm going to see another day when everything won't line up, but it's going to be all right because he's the same God. He's the same God. I counted on him before. I'm going to count on him now because it's the attribute of the believer. I take courage. Amen. I take courage. Fear does not grip me. I will not allow it to. I take courage. It's the attribute of the believer. Why? Because Jesus told me to. Jesus told me to. Amen. And I believe every word he said. Amen. I believe every word he said. I said, I believe every word he said. I believe every word he said. I said, I believe every word he said. I believe every word he said. I believe every word he said. said." Amen? Don't stop believing. That's what he told him, he said, Don't stop believing. Don't stop believing take courage. Be of good cheer. He said, I've I've deprived the world of its ability to harm you. Glory to God. So in the midst of storms and in the midst of situations, all you got to do is take courage. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah, glory to God. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't you receive from him right now? Just receive from him right now. Hallelujah.